Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Well, welcome to this episode of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. My name is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and I will be your host for today's podcast. And my special guest is Kat Rutledge with Klamath Idea. Kat and I have had the opportunity to work together for a number of years. I consider Kat a mentor and a co-learner as we try to figure out how to grow entrepreneurial ecosystems in rural America. So Kat, thank you for joining us today with our podcast. It is my pleasure, Don. Thanks for the invitation. Well, I think this will be fun and look forward to our discussion. And I'd like to kind of start out with just you sharing a little bit about your background, your journey, and then we'll dig deeper into your work with the Small Business Development Center and Klamath Idea a little later. All righty. So let's see. I'm a I'm a born and raised Oregonian. I've been here in the Klamath Basin my entire life, except for a stint at college. And I actually got my first HR management job at 21 in a credit union environment and then went on to work in corporate banking, was the last woman standing handing out paychecks in a corporate merger. And from there, really, I began the journey of, of what we would call a necessity entrepreneur, right? You know, opened my own business. The government paid for me to go back to school because there was a number of layoffs in the community at the time. And I had all these kind of soft skills as an HR person. I'm a court certified mediator. And I decided to go back and get a more analytical degree. So went to the University of Eastern Oregon and I got a degree in economics and business, which I have just loved. I've always had a, a deep passion for economics and opened a business doing HR and conflict management consulting and then eventually would go to work for one of my clients in a private school. And then I made my way into the community college and was there about nine months when the job of the Small Business Development Center director came open here at the college. So I've been in that role. This is I'm going into my ninth year doing that. And Klamath Idea has kind of been interwoven in that over this course of time. But that's how I got to where I am today. Well, thank you. You know, one of the things that you and Marion Kaufman or Mr. K, who founded Marion Laboratories, managed to be a Fortune 500 corporation, and then the Kaufman Foundation that focuses on entrepreneurship, Mr. K always said, if you want to help entrepreneurs, you have to be entrepreneurial yourself. So the fact that you have had experience in business, does that help you in your work with the Small Business Development Center and now your work with Klamath Idea? Oh, absolutely. There is just nothing like having to create your own paycheck and you know your own revenue uh, doesn't come from somewhere else. So that's just a, a very unique experience and I think absolutely invaluable in both both my SBDC role as well as the Klamath idea. Now, of course, you indicated that Klamath has been your lifelong home with a few exceptions. Remarkable country for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with South Central 
Oregon, Klamath County is home to Crater Lake National Park, one of those iconic images that pops up when you do a search of national parks. Describe this region and what are some of the characteristics that make it special to you? So it's beautiful. Like I was privileged just yesterday to be driving across the gorgeous snowy path, millions and millions of acres of trees in our particular county. 58% of the land is actually owned by the government. So public lands, I I laugh because one time I was in Disneyland and this guy asks me, you're from Oregon. Are there still trees in Oregon? (laughs) Oh, yes. Despite forest fires and all that has happened and whatever you see in the media, there are millions and millions of acres of beautiful, stunning trees. We have mountain lakes. We have these pristine waterways that my husband and I love to kayak on and the in the spring and summer months. And I just feel like I live in God's country. We are rural, but it's gorgeous. Yeah, it really is. And I still remember my trip when I came out for the summit and the chance to go up and actually see Crater Lake and experience some of the country. I think one of the things that you and I share is, of course, a love of economics and research. You mentioned the trees, and of course, in a lot of ways, that was part of the origin story for Klamath Falls, the timber industry and allied manufacturing related to that. There's been some changes, and describe how your communities maybe been kind of challenged, but now is beginning to change as you move beyond, you know, the heavy dependence on timber and allied industries. Yeah, timber and ag really were our were our history, like so many other rural places, right? You know, my family, my five generations ago, my great uncles, right, were homesteaders here, veterans given, you know, a plot of land. And we've certainly evolved. It's been painful, I think. Those structural changes in the economy are very, very difficult on us humans. And so We've pivoted really, we have a lot less manufacturing. We still have some here. We still have a good solid core sector there, but gosh, employment has has really plummeted in that region. But we see, I think the the hope and the, the joy in my job, right, is seeing the emergence of new things and that entrepreneurial spirit that says we can do something different. We haven't seen any strong, you know, really strong sector alliance, but we are, as you know, in our work working on magnet experiential tourism, that recreational tourism piece, because it is, I mean, as I said, we live in a beautiful place, so why not come visit? And the energy the last few years has been, has been fun to see, but it is still, you know, certainly a grieving place. And we've been embedded in water wars my entire adult life. This last year, for the first time in a century, our farmers went completely without water. And so that is, man, it's, it's painful. It's painful to watch. It's painful, certainly, for those people to experience. But I think the joy of my work is getting to see kind of new hope on the horizon. Well, and you're central to that, and that goes to the heart of Klamath Idea, this commitment to entrepreneurship. So describe a little bit about the history of Klamath Idea and the kind of work it's trying to do to create new opportunity in your corner of rural Oregon. Yeah, so Klamath Idea really was spurred out of a question that my now college president asked when he came for his job interview to Klamath. President Dr. Roberto Gutierrez came here 
and was being shown around by the chamber director, Chip Massey at the time, and asked Chip, Chip, where's your business incubator? Because all, you know, hip and happening places have a business incubator. Well, of course, we didn't have one. And so he ultimately, long story short, gets the job. And we convened a very large group of people. There were about 60 people sitting at a table talking at the time, really right coming out of the Great Recession. The community was, gosh, it was sad, Don, just so many empty buildings, super low graduation rates not really a college-going culture, even though we have two colleges right here in our community, and just a lot of, you know, poverty and sorrow. And so it was a great question. I'm glad he asked it because it spurred this, this desire in our community to, okay, what's next? What else can we do? And it began this conversation, sure, around a business incubator, which is absolutely not what we needed. We, you know, we have tons of empty spaces. People are not going to pay to come out of their garage in a poverty-ridden situation to get started, but it started a very important movement to change up our economy a little bit and what we were doing from economic development. So as you know, of course, we have always, like most rural places, kind of chased the big fish since about the 1990s. Really, that's been our focus. And we are still, of course, putting our community out there and doing an outstanding job marketing our community for those businesses that want to transfer. But Climate idea was really about how do we also focus on the other end of the pipeline, those startups and those early stage and middle stage companies really digging in at that entrepreneurial spirit. And one of the things that I love so much about it is that in my role as an SBDC director, I'm very, very technical and we are about building the business, right? Where Climate idea is really about building the entrepreneurial which is such a different, it's a different beast, similar and closely aligned, but it really is a different beast. And so it's taken us many years with many wonderful volunteers and part-time people to build what we have today to really focus on those earlier stage businesses and how do we, how do we search out that spirit and create more of it? Yeah, I think you hit on a really important point in our change model that we use to talk about how we can go from where we're at today in a community to creating a more prosperous community. We use the words intentionally around increasing entrepreneurial behavior, and and you spoke to that, that that this is a, a way of being, a way of thinking, and when you can root it in a community, it really can drive not only economic change, but cultural change. And and it seems to me that Klamath Idea is all about fostering an entrepreneurial culture in Klamath County and Klamath Falls. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, now one of the things you and I share an interest in is is analytics. You use analytics a lot in your role with the Small Business Development Center that serves both Klamath County and Lake County in Oregon. And of course, for most of our viewers, you're probably familiar with SBDCs, but they're available throughout the United States. It's one of those go-to resources. 
But talk a little bit about how you use some of the analytics that we were fortunate enough to help produce for you in really focusing your work around destination tourism. You use the word magnetic tourism, the draw of people. Speak a little bit about why you think analytics are important to the success that you're now experiencing with Klamath Idea. Well, I would say that we, we kind of flounced around for a good four years here. It's fine when you say you, you want to build an entrepreneurial ecosystem, but how you actually do that <laughs> is a whole other kind of ball game. And so we really were adding some really important things to our ecosystem coming out of the Climate Idea Conversations, that initial big stakeholder group. We launched a pitch competition, our Polytechnic University, we have our SBDC had been a little bit sleepy and quiet. And so we have a, a robust training program now. We have multiple employees and advisors that work here at the center. So we did some really super good things, but we didn't have a plan. And so ironically, I read this book by this guy named Don Mackey, and I I called him and said, hey, I finally found your book. Would you mind a consulting client? Would you be interested? So fortunately, you were able to really help us first and foremost with a framework. And it's fairly basic. And it seems so like logical once you read it. But we didn't have it. It's the bottom line. And I was grateful when we did. And then you came in and were helping us with some economic data. And we actually get that data from you annually now, and we really appreciate that. But what it really did is a couple of things. So first of all, I've worked my whole life in workforce and HR, and I am very accustomed to looking at DOL reports and jobs numbers and all the kind of typical economic data that you read about, honestly, in the newspapers and periodicals. But what your data gave us was an analysis and some information into the actual proprietors. And that's so unique because if you really look at all the other data that we watch, they literally don't exist in there. And yet these folks, right, they are the job creators. <laughs> they are the one, you know, driving the economy and yet they don't show up in the data. And so one of the things that I just absolutely immediately loved about the information that E2 provided to us was that, was information about how many proprietors we have at, you know, whether it's at the sole proprietor level or the one to nine employees or the 10 to 100, those bands in that pipeline. Loved that information. The other thing that I think was really important for us was we know, like I said, I'm a lifer here. I know this place. I know our story. I know where we came from and what we hope to be. But we needed data to really help us understand not just kind of intuitively what was happening because we sense that, but to really look at the data and understand, you know, where have the jobs gone? How many commuters do we have? What's happened to us over time? Proprietor income over time, what that looked like so that we can really kind of come up with an informed plan of attack. And you came back with in that very first COP with, you know, 10 possibilities for us to look at. And, you know, you're, you're sitting out in Nebraska, right? But, <laughs> but you give us data, the story, the data story of our community, so we can take what we know intuitively on the ground and your data and marry them to come up with a, you know, we could do this. We have some synergy already around tourism. Our local tourism board has done a really good job of kind of getting that going in the last decade. And so 
we jumped on that synergy and picked some things to start working on. Well, and I think one of the things that you've done really effectively, I'm thinking about your video and and now your infographics, you've used data, some cases data we provided you and others, your own data, to really make the case to your community that entrepreneurship is worth the investment as an economic and community development strategy. And so it seems to me that you're particularly strong at Klamath Idea in using information to bring your community along and to get it engaged and get it supportive of, you know, the work that you're trying to do. So it's been powerful. And initially, as a lifer, again here, it's compelling for me initially to in order to get the community to buy into the idea of, yeah, we could catch the big fish, but we could also be doing this other thing. And don't you want to try it? And how about a little money to to give this a shot? In order to do that, right, you have to be able to help them understand where we are. And so being able to help people see that, gosh, in 2016, one in $3 of household income, right, only one in three came from actual earned income. The rest of it is transferred from the government. We've got to do something different. And that data was just really powerful in in telling the story and to get us started. And then it's guided us, of course, along the way. Well, and the good news is your most current data shows real improvement despite the COVID pandemic challenges and the associated economic challenges with that. Your numbers are getting better. And I think in part, That's due to the work that you all have been doing. One of the things that's really exciting coming out of Oregon right now is a new effort uh, supported by the Ford Family Foundation. And of course, you've got a long history with the foundation. They're a major player in rural community economic development in Oregon. And I think one county in Northern California where they had timber operations and the wealth that's endowed this foundation is is from timber. And they've launched GROW, which stands for Growing Rural Oregon, and you're one of the first communities to be part of GROW. Share with me a little bit about the importance of GROW in helping Kalamath Idea pursue its vision for a stronger economy and society two things immediately come to mind. So one is in the early stages of this work in a rural community who has always kind of put all of their eggs in one basket, in the one basket of catch big fish, right? Industrial recruitment to try to convince people to fund something that, you know, is, you know, kind of crazy, kind of new, it's risky. Right. And so I am so grateful for Ford to step into the space and say, we're going to fund this hopeful option for five years, patient capital. And as you know, Don, when we built our systems and our protocols, we knew that, that it's going to take us some time, right? You know, we have those, we have a big scorecard that of all the data that I monitor annually to see if we're, if we're moving in the right direction. And, you know, we built the foundation out, but we, that took us like four years really just to build the infrastructure and then convince people that we could do it, get a little bit of funding under us. And so the Ford family offering that patient capital has just been super encouraging. I, of course, in the weeds here in Klamath, am grateful for it, but I'm also super grateful as an Oregonian because 
I really believe in this model. I really think for rural, you know, we're not going to get a bunch of call centers again. We're not going to get huge industry. It's just, it's not the way of the world. And so this is a great viable option for many rural places and Ford coming in to say, we believe this could work for some rural places is very impactful. So I think it's important to have somebody from the outside come in and validate your work. That's another huge, a huge benefit of that. And just that patient capital is the validation of the patient capital really are the two, two key things. Very grateful for them. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch grow, develop, because the Ford Family Foundation, you use the term patient capital, has made a long-term commitment, a substantial commitment. And that's really what it takes. As we look around the country where entrepreneurship is really thriving, there are partners like the Ford Family Foundation that are committing resources. Because as you know, it's hard enough to do the work, but if you have to spend a big chunk of your time raising the money so you can do the work, it slows you down and you know that experience from your earlier efforts. You know, there's so many things that Klamath Idea has innovated around, but I think one of the areas that is particularly interesting that I'd like you to share with me as we wrap up today is your entrepreneur concierge, and you're on your second concierge. Justin is your current concierge, and he's an entrepreneur like you were. And so share a little bit about what does Justin as the entrepreneur concierge with Klamath Idea do? Oh. In our early stages at the Klamath Idea, this giant group of 60 people talking, all of the usual suspects were at the table, right? The business organ, our state's economic development group, the SBDC was there, our economic development district, Main Street, kind of all, I call them usual suspects, were sitting at the table and we're talking about like launching something, you know, new and having to have another, you know, full-time organization and and at the time, I was like, we need to get everyone kind of on the same page and coordinating and make sure that we're filling gaps and not duplicating services. And so one of the really important things that the roles that, that ultimately we decided our concierge would play is really just to be a concierge, to go out and first of all, find those entrepreneurs. So we had built this you know, beautiful ecosystem and we have all these partners but now we need entrepreneurs to engage in it, in the evolution. And so Justin goes out and, and finds them. And we have many means by which we find leads and he makes friends with them. And then he introduces them to services. If he, if he decides that, yeah, the next thing they need is the SBDC, or maybe it's the economic development district, a microloan, or you really got to get in touch with the main street people because that's a good place to engage but I say a couple of keys, you know, first of all, he doesn't duplicate services. He's not an SBDC advisor. He's not our downtown manager. He's his own beast. And there are so many resources out there for entrepreneurs that they literally have no idea about. And so his job is really to make friends with them and to connect them to resources. Our tagline is connecting entrepreneurs to the right resources at the right time. So that's his gig. A pretty fun gig, I think. <laughs> well, he seems to enjoy it, and he's very good at it, as you are as well. I just can't emphasize enough, though, the importance of that role in a community. And it may seem really simple as you describe it, but the simple act of reaching out, taking time to talk to an entrepreneur, to find out where they're at, what they're looking for, and then to network them to resources 
kind of lowering that transaction cost, lowering the risk that you find the wrong resource that takes you down a trail that isn't helpful is just so powerful in terms of a core activity within an entrepreneurial ecosystem. It's critical. And, you know, you think about it right now, we have 20 resource providers engaged in our SourceLink platform. And if you were an entrepreneur and you took the time, right, just the time to go and meet each of those organizations and try to understand what they do, that frankly would be a colossal waste of time, right? Your most valuable entrepreneuring being the technician, getting that stuff working. And so if we can get them quickly to the resource that they need and then help them all along their journey to the next resource, whatever they need next, that's so much more efficient than letting them flounce around. Absolutely. Plus, it kind of makes the environment more fun and happier because people are not frustrated. They're making progress, working hard. It never gets easy being in business. But if the path can be a little bit easier because somebody can get you to that right resource at the right time, as you mentioned, makes a huge difference. Well, Kat, our time is winding down. Just a a note for our listeners. You mentioned SourceLink. I had an opportunity last year to do a podcast with Maria Myers and Kate Hodel with US SourceLink. And so, folks, if you're interested, you can pick up that podcast and the paper we produced for SourceLink that's on our website. So just a programming note for our audience. Kat, Thank you so much. There's so much more we could talk about, but appreciate the conversation today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Don. You bet. You bet. And we look forward with Grow to continue to work with you and learn from you as as we move forward. So let's wrap up, folks, with this edition of Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Just want to remind our listeners that Your best resource is to go to our website at energizingentrepreneurs.org. That's where you can find a collection of free resources. You can access all of our podcasts, sign up for our free monthly newsletter, which is easy to subscribe to, but also pretty easy to unsubscribe if you find it's not useful. And also to join our National Practitioners Network, where you can access the resources that Kat referred to that are being developed and used by people across North America to foster entrepreneurial ecosystem building. Also, we've got some resources that are specific to today's podcast. With Kat's help, we've curated a story about Kalamath Idea. And again, this is a story in the making. We'll share with you the infographics that they're using to demonstrate their impact in the community. And so some wonderful resources. And then Kat, you've got some new videos that are coming online that we're going to make available as they become online. You want to share the one that gives the overview of the climate idea a little bit? Sure. So I've long since had this vision of having some videos, but you got to build the thing. And so the first video that we have released is it's the longest of the videos. I think it's about six minutes. But it really kind of tells the story of how Klamath Idea is impacting. We've picked six entrepreneurs to feature in that story. And then the follow-up to that will be about every 30 days, we'll release one of those individual stories about the entrepreneurs that are featured in that video. So there'll be a whole set there. 
Yeah, and we'll be making those available to our listeners. A great resource. I love the first video. I think it's really powerful. And so congratulations on one dream that you're able to put a check mark against. Thanks. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us today and all our best. Have a great day, Don. You bet. Well, folks, we are at our end. And so thank you for joining Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast and stay tuned. Every month we drop two new podcasts. And so we hope that this is useful to you as you pursue development in your corner of rural America. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm-hmm.